Welcome to the Mindfully Masculine Podcast with Charles and Dan, where we take a conscious, holistic, and direct approach to men's relationships, health, and self-improvement. To join the conversation, give us a rating and a review, and contact us with questions or suggestions at mindfullymasculine at gmail.com. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Charles. How are you? I am well, thank you. I would say I'm about at a seven out of, seven out of ten today. How are you? Oh, good. How, how can we make it a ten out of ten? Uh, well, that's not possible. But uh, an eight out of ten is probably doable. Um, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have lunch with a friend, so that'll that'll bump me up. And Fantastic. I may I may buy a new gadget for a uh, a recently acquired hobby, and that'll probably get me up to a nine because I love buying stuff for new hobbies. Gadget. Do tell. Well, gadget, so to speak. Um, new pair, new pair of shoes for uh, for cutting a rug for dancing. I think it's a great idea. It's a great investment. I am very happy with mine, and I do notice a difference with my dance shoes versus my regular shoes when I'm on the dance floor. Uh, it really helps minimize my clunkiness, as we mentioned previously well, any, to each other. Anything yeah. that anything that can minimize clunkiness is uh, is a good Absolutely. idea. Absolutely. Right now, Absolutely. I feel like I'm out there looking like Frankenstein. <laughs> we all feel that way we all feel that way in the beginning and i i still do once in a while so it's it's just uh the more you practice the less frankenstein you get i think what's your uh, what's your score today where are you at on the 10 point scale i'm an eight out of ten i had a meeting uh, that i didn't really want to attend and was unnecessary get canceled on me so that's Ooh. bonus and i'm um, looking forward to some some uh, ballroom dancing tonight uh, nice. in, uh, uh, up in, uh, up in St. Augustine. So I, I am uh, too. Yeah. This, I, uh, I joked with my coach yesterday. That this is my coming out party because it's the first time that I'm, uh, first time I'm going to dance in public. No, it's not. This, no, well, it's, it's not. First time I'm going to dance in public, not screwing around being drunk. Well, no, last night at the bar, not you, dancing. Was, it, you, you, well, it certainly wasn't you just taking Frankenstein steps. You actually showed like multiple, you did the box corner, you did the regular step for the Foxtrot and you did, you know, the corner and, you know, in the middle of the bar and you'd only had a drink. So I, and, and there was, and there was, and there was people around and that was absolutely in public. So uh give yourself a little bit more credit for some Um, reason that did not that did not bother me or make me feel self-conscious in the slightest right you know uh, what and that's exactly what will happen eventually uh either after enough alcohol or enough times on the dance floor tonight uh it will be the same thing because you'll realize everybody's kind of paying attention to themselves so yeah you'll you'll be yeah we've talked about that before that's that that was you know a source of uh that was a source of concern for me when I first started doing barbell lifts at the gym, where I was like, Oh, I don't want to go to the gym and lift because everybody's going to be looking at me and they're going to see that I'm doing it wrong and blah, blah, blah. And now, you know, that I'm, you know, five years into doing, you know, heavy barbell training. It's like, I don't care what anybody else is doing. I, I barely worry about what I'm doing. I just focus on, you know, getting my legs down and getting them back up with all that weight on my back. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, one of my trainers reminded me, which was great, which is you have no idea why people are in the gym. And so they might be doing the weirdest lifts where, you know, they're using all their, their, their body English as they they talk about, and they're not actually isolating anything. 
these people could be doing exercises because they're athletes and they need that full range of motion and they need to put their whole body into it versus like isolating something. Right. So that's, and I don't, I don't lift that way, but I was, you know, I was placing judgment on them. Right. You know, and, and going, well, they're, they're doing it all wrong. What they're going to, or they're going to hurt themselves. And I have no idea. And so once I realized I have no idea what everybody else is doing, I stopped caring at that point. I was just like, I'm just going to focus on what I'm trying to do. Oh, I still judge other people though. Like the thing you're talking about, I, def- I definitely still do that. Like if I if I'm in there, if I'm in the squat rack and the guy next to me, you know, puts three fifteen or four oh five on there, and then his squat is going down like two inches and then back up, I'm like, ah, what's this guy doing? I don't say anything, of course, but I, you know, I do get a little judgy when people put in tons of weight and then do zero movement. It's like, okay, Listen. that looks that looks a little performative to me. Yeah. Uh, it, I honestly, right. I do the same thing. I just don't obsess about it anymore. Right. Like, yeah, of course that, that goes from my mind too. But yeah. The, the so. opposite is true though, where if, if I saw somebody who just got in there and was just doing the bar and no additional weight, I would not look at them and be like, Oh, look at them. They can't lift anything for them. I'd be like, Oh, good for them. They're in the gym. They're doing something. It's, it's the other side of it where I think people are trying to show off and then okay. not actually doing the lifts that I, that's when I get a little, that, that, that's fair. That's fair for sure. Um, but you don't know. I mean, either exercising is just his hip flexor a little bit, you know, you never know. Yeah, um, no, they, they, they could like yeah. you, I, I didn't think about it until the way you said it, where, you know, they could have a very valid concern where they're trying to do something that I don't know. And I don't like an, an injury, something like that, that they're working right. through. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe they need to just practice getting out of the top of their squat and walking it back to the rack. Right. I mean, they do that with box squats, right? I mean, where you're, you're only yeah. going down halfway. And so yeah. I, you know, um, yeah. And you know, life's too short to, to worry about everybody else. So yes, um, indeed it is. It is. Um, okay. So yeah. Speaking that's, of which, uh huh. Speaking of which, yeah, this leads into why we're here, what we're doing. Right. Oh, the, uh, it's well, not going to be all, all dance and workout discussions for the mindfully masculine podcast. <laughs> Well, I think that's a good balance, right? Dancing and, and lifting, right? For mindfully masculine. Uh, no, no. I think uh, they might get a little bit bored of that. Okay, so let's let's introduce the first topic that we're going to uh, we're going to tackle in the upcoming episodes, which is our little review and discussion of uh, No More Mister Nice Guy, the book by Dr. Robert Glover. Um, you and I have various experience with this book i've i've been familiar with it for a long time uh you got onto a little bit more recently but we're both uh you know in the middle of multiple rereads and trying to apply the concepts from the book to uh to our lives as well as our our relationships so um let's let's jump into the topic a little bit more and talk about why uh, dr glover wrote this book and, and what it's supposed to get done um so first, first question I'll, I'll open up for you is in the context of this book and in the context of some, you know, contemporary references to nice guys, um, what, what is a nice guy? Uh, I'm a nice guy or I'm a recovering nice guy. Um, okay. So uh, I think a lot of that is really seeking out approval from others. Um, you know, for example, if I'm a nice guy, everybody will like me and love me. And, uh, and through that, I will get the, you know, the women that I like will love me back right. uh, as well as people too. This isn't just, this isn't just applying to women in general. I think relationships in general, that's, that's why I think this book is really powerful. 
yeah, I would agree. I think, uh, um, so the fact that being a nice guy is something that one recovers from, that definitely means that there is a negative connotation there of, you know, it's just not, oh, here's, here's a person who's nice to other people. Um, there's, there's sort of a dark side to it as well, which like you said, there, there's these covert contracts, meaning these, these secret agreements that we form with the world that the world doesn't know about. And oftentimes we don't know about where we have these attitudes of, yeah, if I'm nice enough, then, then everybody's going to want to be around me. And if uh, I do for people without them having to ask me to do for them, then I can expect that they're going to do for me as well without me having to ask. Right. And that's, that's the dangerous part is, and, and that's the, the problem is that one, you are, by not asking, you are making assumptions and you are not being straightforward with your intentions and that's deceitful. And, right. and then for you or a nice guy, I should say, to, to get upset when those needs aren't met, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's irrational. And, um, true, you know, and, and so that's what is dangerous and not so nice about the nice guy is that it's deceitful because you're coming across as a very generous, kind, thoughtful person with these, like you said, these covert contracts. And, and that's just, uh, that's just purposely not communicating clearly. And that's where there's going to be some, some friction that gets caused from that, whether it's short-term or, or over the long-term from either the person that you're doing it to, or your own resentment that builds up over time. Cause you keep doing these nice things over and over and over again for people, and you're never getting what you want, but yet you don't have the balls to ask for it either. And yeah. so, and I've been there with past relationships where I've, I've done all these things. And it's just kind of like, well, well, how come you're not doing what I want you to do? You should just know that I want these things. I've been doing all these wonderful things for you. You're taking me for granted. And then, and then I'm, you know, and then I'm, I'm out and yeah, it's not, it's not the way to operate. Yeah. And, and you mentioned uh, a word that I kind of grabbed onto, which was that it's irrational and um you know, show me, show me a person who is persistently acting based on irrational beliefs about the way they see the world. And I'll show you a person that's not that much fun to be around. I mean, it is, it's exhausting for, for that person and the people around them when, you know, you hold these opinions about the way the world actually works or the way sh the world should work. And you've just got it wrong. It's like you, you got wired the wrong way, way back when, and you've stuck with these these beliefs that aren't true. And, uh, and as a result, you're, you're making it very, very hard for people to, to deal with you in a healthy way. And, and one of the things I think Clover talks about was that a lot of us are wired this way as from, from childhood. It's not right. something that this is an anomaly. I think a lot of us get it, get wired as nice guys for a number of different reasons. Um, and, and maybe you, you'd like to kind of go into that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He does cover that. Uh, I've heard him cover that both in the book as well as in some interviews that he's given where it's like, you know, to, to come out of childhood with some complicated, but false beliefs about the world, you know, it doesn't require a, a history of dramatic neglect and abuse. It can be, it can be fairly simple things like, you know, 
there was a time when you were very young when you know you're you weren't fed on time or your diaper wasn't changed quickly enough or um you know your dad wasn't around because he had a job that took a lot of hours or uh, you had a sick sibling and your parents had to devote extra time to care for them. So, I mean, these aren't ridiculously rare circumstances that can lead to this belief of, you know, my needs aren't really all that important. So I can't expect for them to be met. So, you know, if I, if I feel a need in my life, if there's something that I want from somebody that uh, I care about, surely I can't just ask them for it because their answer will be no. So I have to come up with a strategy to get what I need from them that doesn't include just being honest with them and saying, hey, here's what I need. Will you do this for me? And so that's where we develop these coping skills and these defense mechanisms to, to try to trick the people we love or the world in general into meeting our needs because we don't believe that if we're honest, we're going to get what we, what we need out of them. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, for me, uh, you know, and one of the other, one of the other, characteristics of a nice guy is, you know, if I do everything right, I should have an easy problem for your life. It's a perfectionist right. mindset, which I know, I know I've been uh, programmed with a little bit. And again, I mean, I had in all respects growing up, I, I mean, I had, uh, you know, a drama of pretty much trauma and drama free life, but I was programmed that way from a few experiences with, with older relatives where they tried to show me something. I didn't do it exactly right. And, you know, they, they chuckled at me, they laughed at me and not in a mocking, horrible way either. Something, you know, when you see a kid do something silly or funny, you know, you, you laugh and that's really right. kind of all it was. But however, as a child seeking approval constantly from my, you know, from adults and doing something new that I've never done before. So already feeling insecure about that. And then to right. get laughed at, even it was as mild as it was, it registered with me that uh, I shouldn't even bother doing anything unless I do it perfectly. And that that has stuck with me my entire life. And it's something I still struggle with. And, yeah. you know, um, it's it's it stops me then also from feeling comfortable saying or asking for something when. I need something or right. I don't think I'm going to do something right. So I would rather not ask or bring it up or, or communicate that and kind of keep it inside and either struggle with it, build resentment for, you know, for, for, you know, not actually putting it out there not, not, not getting what I want versus, versus communicating that. And that, that was another piece too is, that I like about this book is he talks about how to communicate as well. It's not just uh, here are your problems with no solutions. He does he does go through and 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 kind of talks how you know talks you through how to how to communicate those needs as well. Yeah, and I think you know we've we've already hit on on what some of the the negatives are. Obviously, it, it does impact your um, romantic relationship. Certainly, I mean. Uh, guys can can definitely fall into a trap where they are overly concerned with the approval of the women in their lives um, and and they're willing to make concessions about what they want or what they need because they they don't want to rock the boat and and deal with you know what happens when I tell somebody hey you're not this is what I need and I'm not getting it what can we do about this um, but we also see that this can impact people's careers too. 
uh, guys can can find themselves in a career or a job that they love, but not feeling fulfilled for it and not or fulfilled from it and not getting as far as they think they should be because, you know, they're unwilling to be the, the guy that stands up at a meeting and says, you know, this, this isn't working for me. This, this isn't going to, the current track that we're on, isn't going to lead to a successful resolution of this problem. And here's what we have to do. And I'll be, I'll be the bad guy that says this isn't working out. And that's, that's a hard position to put yourself in. And I think if you've got, you know, some of these nice guy tendencies, it gets even harder. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's, you're then in, in subconsciously thinking I'm going to be at risk for either losing my job, losing this relationship and our, our, based on our pre, you know, our, our early wiring, our nice guy wiring, our, you know, our brains are going to that extreme and going, Hey, you know, this is, this is a, this is a huge risk. Don't do it. You're going to have horrible consequences, you know, by, you know, if, if you say anything, if you say what you really want, but you know, inside this kind of bubbles up and bubbles up and bubbles up over time. And eventually, you know, it comes out in a way where, you know, it's being led with emotion and, and when it does come out, it's, it's not, it doesn't typically does not come out in a healthy, productive way. Uh, it comes out in a way that actually could, could risk, uh, you know, could, could risk what you're worried about, you know, the relationship or, or the job or wherever else, because you've, you've let it just got to the point of where it overwhelms you and you can't yeah. then properly verbalize it you know, through, you know, through your, uh, your, your modern brain and your mouth. Yeah. And I think, you know, there, there is a temptation to be the guy that, uh, that says what people want to hear. And, you know, because that does intuitively, it seems like that would be a pleasant life. And, you know, you're the guy that can be counted on to say what people want to hear all the time. And so everybody's going to like you because you only report the good news. You never report the bad news. Yeah. But, you know, what I've learned is that, uh, it's a more meaningful life to be the guy that always tells the truth. And, and also, you know, just by you saying this now, just made me think and realize how much value are you actually adding to the situation, to that person or, you know, the situation, if you are just agreeing with everything that's going on, especially if you have other information that says, man, I don't, I don't agree. And this is the reasons right. why, and you don't share that with people you're, you're actually kind of doing everyone a disservice and, and you're not adding as much value as you possibly could. So I think part of what you just said, which is, you know, as it pertains to a job in, in, in particular, yeah. by not sharing that, then, then you really are limiting your own growth and your own engagement and experience with that job by holding back what you know, and you're not sharing right. that. So, you know, ultimately you're doing this, we're, we're doing this all to ourselves, right? This is, no, we, we have to, we have to point our, point the fingers at ourselves. I mean, yes, we are programmed as children. However, we're adults now, you know, we, we can look at, we can look at ourselves and, and look back at ourselves about the situations we had as children and can understand what was going on and what happened at the time. And it's our choice, whether we do something about it now or not. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about um, guys who may find themselves in the same position we are, where 
okay, you, you had something that happened, whether it's, you know, a breakup or a professional setback or something like that. And you're, you're open to the idea of, okay, maybe I'm carrying some, uh, some beliefs around that are limiting my full potential. You pick up this book, you read this book and, now you want to say, okay, I'm ready to, I'm ready to abandon some of these bad ideas and make some, some changes. What, uh, what can those changes look like and, and what works now? I mean, I think we both agree that, you know, being open enough to read a book that tells you, you need to make changes is a very positive first step, right? Absolutely. Um, and so here's some of the things that I find in addition to reading the book are working for me. Um, Maybe the most important one is spending time with other men that you can trust and talk to without worrying about judgment. And sure. uh, I'm, you know, I'm lucky to have a couple of those friendships, uh, including you, where I can say, hey, man, this is what happened to me today. This is how I chose to react to it. And I'm not thrilled with what I did, but uh, here's where I'm at. So what do you think? And I, I can't imagine a scenario where I couldn't run that by you for your uh, for your opinion without you, you know, making me feel bad about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, the value too, you got to remember from your point of view and anybody else who's going to be seeking out uh, a safe person to, you know, to engage with on this, um, these issues with is that if it's the right person on the other end of it, they're going to get some value out of this too. They're going right. to be learning the same way that we learned through some of the, the stories in the book, the same way that we hope that some, some of our listeners are going to learn from our own experiences and our own interpretations of the book. I learn when you send me something and, you know, and it, it's, it goes both ways. I, I send you stuff all the time, uh, you know, some advice on, on, hey, you know, take a look at, at how I communicated here. What do you think? Right. And actually it's happened this morning. So, you know, and, and, and it really, you know, it settled me down and it was great. So it helped me take a step outside. So, you know, and when, when you send me things, I'm looking at that, I'm like, okay, I put myself in your shoes and I say, Hey, how would I handle this? And, and, you know, that, that is valuable experience as well. So if I have something similar in the future, I'm going to draw from that. I'm, I'm going to, you right. know, from whatever I can remember, uh, but I will absolutely draw from that. So know that as you look for resources, people, groups in your life to be able to, you know, be a little bit more vulnerable with, to talk about these things that, you know, uh, as long as you're, I think, willing to do the same for that other person uh, or, or be part of a group and contribute in that way, they're going to get some value out of it too, um, yeah. on both ways, being able to share as well as being able to learn from your own experiences and, and being vulnerable in that respect. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's been priceless for me. I, I think, uh, yeah, it is important to have those people. And when it comes to this book and the specific issues that it addresses, it's gotta be some guys. It can't just be your mom, your sister, your, your right. lady, best friend. It's gotta, it's gotta be at least one, maybe multiple guys that you can, talk to and experience, you know, see the world somewhat the same way you do and experience the same challenges that you do. Absolutely. And, and where I do see a lot of these nice guy tendencies, even in, in women these days, um, not, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not exclusive to men. I think it's definitely more predominant 
in men and the, the way we've we've been raised um, and and the way you know a lot of the expectations around men um, a lot of that you know also kind of comes down to you know you you, you know in society you shouldn't be showing weakness um, you know right. you're looked down upon for for having any kind of weakness but yet you know um, there's a lot of there's a lot of societal pressure out there to also be super sensitive guys and 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 you know. I think a lot of that is actually shown in, in story form through, you know, uh, through movies and, and television, uh, you know, depicting the way a relationship uh, goes where the nice guy actually ends up getting the girl in the end. And that that is rarely the case, I believe. Yeah, there's there is a very uh, specific, very limited form of performative sensibility, uh, sensitivity and vulnerability that society and some women want from men. You know, they, they want, they want a certain kind of sensitivity and a certain kind of vulnerability in a very limited circumstance so that they can feel like, you know, they're not married or dating just a total caveman. But, and, and I think, you know, is that unfair? Is that difficult? I mean, it's certainly difficult. Maybe it's unfair, but, you know, there are going to be certain burdens that men are going to be saddled with that we have to figure out how to deal with. And the only way that we can figure out what that balance is, is by making our own mental and emotional health a priority. And you get as healthy as you can be. And then when a situation arises and you have to walk the line of how strong do I need to be? How vulnerable do I need to be? That will come naturally when you've taken the time and the steps to make sure that you're emotionally and, and mentally healthy. Yeah, and I agree. And and um, you know, one of the, you know, uh, being that the podcast is called Mindfully Masculine, I know I know I feel better equipped to make those decisions when I am practicing some mindfulness. So when I do yeah. meditate on a regular basis, I know a simple example is little things that would annoy me don't annoy me. Um, if, if there's issues, I'm, I feel a little bit more detached from them and I can make a better decision about how to proceed forward versus when I don't meditate and I'm, I'm, you know, I've gone a little while without doing that. I yeah. tend to base a lot of my actions purely on my initial emotions, initial feelings I get that come up about the situation versus, having that space and go, okay, I still have those feelings. However, because I've been meditating and because I'm a little bit more mindful, I now have a little bit of a gap before I act. I can put my, my, my brain has been relaxed enough to recognize the feelings that I'm having and then pause before taking an action. And that even includes the opening my mouth. Right. And, and I think finding ways that we can um, relax uh, and, and, you know, relax our brain. We're constantly getting stimulated from everything all day long, even, even ads, even just driving down the road and you see billboards, all of that stuff is getting, you know, in, in our peripheral vision, all that stuff's getting programmed in our brains. And those are that, that information then, you know, it, it's, it, it's not maybe on the top of your, your conscious brain, but it's in our subconscious. And we do need time, you know, as human beings to relax and, and, and D, you know, kind of black out all of that input so that we can let it rest. And once we have some rest, then I feel like we can all make better decisions. And I think one of the things that we were having, we're struggling with in society is 
the information overload is overwhelming us and and you know we need to consciously make those those mindful choices right yeah no 100% i mean that's you know when when i talk to people about the benefits of meditation it really is just it's it's a way for you to work out the muscle of your attention because by default all we do all day is think about things and have thoughts arise that we don't control things just pop into our head and then they distract us, they make us feel good, they make us feel bad, and we're just along for the ride, where with a, a mindfulness practice, you can decide what you give your attention to, yeah. and, and you can then decide what you don't give your attention to, and there really is no way to build up that skill other than spending time meditating, you know, every day, ideally, and, you know, learning to focus on your breath, learning to focus on you know, your visual field, learning to focus on the sound. I mean, you can focus, you can choose anything as an object of meditation and practice paying attention to that thing at the exclusion of everything else. And then when something unexpected or negative happens to you during the day, you've got this skill in your toolbox of saying, okay, I'm not going to devote my attention to the spontaneous feelings that I'm feeling bubble up inside of me. Rather, I'm going to focus on you know, the coming up with a solution or feeling grateful for the things that gone have gone right today or whatever. It's, uh, yeah, it's one of the most important skills that I think a man can develop is the ability to, to decide what he puts his attention on. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have not a lot anymore. I mean, these days it's a little bit more accepted, but I, I've talked to some people even recently that say, Hey, I, I just can't sit there and meditate. My brain goes all over the place and, you know, I, I can't, they think it's not having any thoughts. It's clearing your brain. Right. And, and that's not the case. The meditation is actually the, the processing of, of everything that comes through your brain and it's going to jump all over the place. And the meditation part, the, the, the practice is recognizing that you know, your brain is doing that. It's just building that awareness. Hey, I'm in this space right now. I should be focusing on my breath or I should be, or, or I should not should be, but I, I you know, the, the practice is coming away from those thoughts and refocusing on either your sound, your mantra, your breath, but the practice is the coming back part. So right. if, if our brains didn't have the monkey mind and jumping around all over the place, we wouldn't be able to practice what we need to practice, which is the awareness and then coming back. Right. And what I also recently figured out was it's not just sitting there with your eyes closed and, and listening to your breath is it, that's not the only form of meditation that we typically do. So journaling, for example, is also a similar practice where you basically just sit there and you just write out anything. You don't, you don't write with a purpose other than whatever thought comes to mind. You just write that out. Just put it on a piece of paper. That's another way you could do it on your phone. You could put it in, in you know, an Evernote or, or a, yeah. you know, a note, you could voice to text kind of thing. And just, and just as thoughts come through, you can put it down there and then you don't even have to go that far. You could just talk to yourself. You just take a walk and talk to yourself and say things out loud. And I think the important part is you get these thoughts that are running through your brain out, out into the world. Once they're released, it's a little bit easier than for you to relax. They are now gone. So that now, now that they're gone, you've made space in your brain and your mind to then handle uh, the decision uh, and, and make that decision versus being overwhelmed with all that stuff that's rattling around in there. Right. So there's many forms of, of meditation and, and processing, we should really call it, I think, 
that we'd already naturally do or we can do. And whenever I do any of those things, it's, it's always helpful, but, you know, walking around, walking around the block, you know, talking to yourself, I, I look a little crazy sometimes, but you know, it is what it is. It's important to, uh, to take a, a shower, a shave and dress well, if you're going to walk around the neighborhood talking to yourself so that, you know, it's very clear that uh, you haven't yeah. escaped from some sort of facility. <laughs> 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 or you can just put your headphones in right people think you're talking to somebody on the phone so i guess that would oh too, very right? clever nice yeah yes. yeah absolutely yelling at nobody so um yeah i All think right. well yeah. yeah i think we've got a there's there's a few other things we can talk about that uh, are helpful but we'll uh we'll, we'll pepper those in as we as we work our way through the chapters of this book and, and talk a little bit more detail about you know, where this stuff comes from, what the positive and, and negatives can be, as well as, you know, when people want to make some changes, some positive changes, where they can start. So, but I think that's, that's a good overview of the concept of, of nice guys, and people can decide if they want to uh, pick up Dr. Glover's book, again, No More Mr. Nice Guys, the title, and, uh, and also join us as we, as we get into the, each of the concepts a little bit more in depth in the coming episodes. Yeah, I'm excited for it. And the way we're looking at this is we're leading learners. We don't, we are not experts. We're still figuring things out on our own. So we are certainly not perfect. And um, I hope you don't take it as our, you know, our, our word as gospel. Um, but we, you know, we're, we're, we're moving along the journey and we're hoping that by sharing it with you, it's actually going to enhance our understanding and our learning and our experience as well. So we're, we're doing this for selfish reasons a little bit. <laughs> no, ab absolutely. I think uh, the way that you you get better at this material is by staying in it. And there's, you know, no better way to stay in it than than sharing it with other people and, and trying to be be of help and be of service. So, um, yeah, if anybody has any uh, feedback or questions, I did set up a uh, mindfully masculine uh, email address at gmail.com. So just hit us at mindfully masculine at Gmail and we will respond to you either personally or in a future episode. Thanks and uh, have a great day. <laughs> Thanks for spending your time with us on the Mindfully Masculine podcast. If you found value in what we had to say, please like, review, and subscribe. For more of our content, check out our website at mindfullymasculine.com. And if you want to directly support our work, you can buy us a coffee using the link in the description. We'll talk to you next time.